Good afternoon. This is Dr. Gwen. It's been a while since I've uh, done a podcast. Today is August 14th, um, Thursday, and I have a couple of fun studies. The first one comes out of the Mayo Clinic, and it's titled Ways to Avoid Blood Pressure Increase at Menopause. Women's blood pressure starts out lower than men's, but the advantage doesn't last. The August issue, the Mayo Clinic Women's Health Source, offers insights on blood pressure changes in women and steps to avoid high blood pressure. Women's systolic pressure, which is the top number, um, and the one that's more closely associated with heart disease risk and stroke in people over age 50, increases by about 5 millimeters of mercury um, with, with menopause. A study done between 2001 and 2003 among people over age 60 showed that women had a higher systolic blood pressure than did men in every state in America. According to the report, women tended to think they didn't have high blood pressure. For healthy adults, blood pressure less than 120 over 80 millimeters of mercury is desirable. Untreated high blood pressure can, as a result, the walls of arteries can harden and impede blood flow. Restricted blood flow can lead to stroke, heart attack, heart failure, kidney failure, and dementia. When blood pressure rises above normal, it's important to work with your doctor on a treatment plan to control the condition. The plan may include medications as well as um, some basic steps. Every one of us can make a significant difference in our blood pressure if we use these steps. So let me go over some of these. Regular physical exercise. Exercise helps lower blood pressure because it makes the heart stronger. The heart is a muscle, so it helps increase um, the tone of the, of the muscle, so it, it pumps better. With greater strength, the heart can pump more blood with less effort. Being physically active for 30 to 60 minutes most days of the week can lower blood pressure by 4 to 9 millimeters of mercury. Number two, follow a healthy eating plan. A healthy diet consists mostly of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and low-fat or fat-free dairy products. So, I mean, that's not a heart-healthy diet. That just should be our standard diet. Limit consumption of red meat, processed food, and sweets. Um, if it has to be sweets, use dark chocolate. Several dietary approaches to stop hypertension. It's called DASH. It's, it's an eating plan. A healthy diet, similar to what I just mentioned, can reduce blood pressure by up to 14 millimeters of mercury. Third, reduce dietary sodium. Salt or sodium increases blood pressure in most people with high blood pressure and in about 25% of people with normal blood pressure. The recommended daily intake is 1,500 to 2,400 milligrams. Lower is even better. In essence, uh, what's generally recommended, don't even use a table salt. Just uh, eat what is the natural salt in, in foods. Limit alcohol intake is number four. In small amounts, alcohol can pre help prevent heart attacks and coronary artery disease, but that protective effect is lost when women regularly drink more than one drink a day. Above that amount, alcohol can raise blood pressure by several points and can interfere with blood pressure medications. And finally, number five, achieve a healthy weight. Being thin isn't essential, but for those who are overweight, losing as little as 5% to 10% of body weight can lower blood pressure by several points. With less body mass to nourish, the heart doesn't have to pump as hard, and the pressure on the arteries decrease. The second study um, comes out of Rush University Medical Center in Illinois, and I actually went to nursing school right across the road from there at Michael Reese Hospital, which I have just learned is shutting down, which is just breaks my heart. 
because it was a they did a great service, particularly for marginalized populations. But anyway, um, that's kind of the change in healthcare today. This one is called testosterone predominance increases prevalence of metabolic syndrome during the menopausal transition. Um, it's testosterone. See, women have testosterone just as men also have um, estrogens. We just have smaller amounts. As testosterone progressively dominates the hormonal milieu during the menopausal transition, the prevalence of metabolic syndrome increases according to a new study by researchers at Rush University Medical Center. The study suggests this may be a pathway by which cardiovascular disease increases during menopause. And this study is actually in the July 28th issue of the Archives of Internal Medicine. The primary cause of death in women in Western countries. Women tend to develop the disease about 10 years later than men, with a marked increase through the menopausal years. Cardiovascular disease younger than 45, but women older than 55 are more likely than men to have cardiovascular disease. Um, and, you know, this amazes me that we just kind of discovered this as a result that we finally realized that women's physiology is different than men. Metabolic syndrome, which is the hot buzzword nowadays, is a summary measure of important cardiovascular disease risk factors that frequently coexist. The syndrome is evident in 20% to 30% of middle-aged women and has been linked to the development of cardiovascular disease and probably more of what you know have heard is diabetes. A longitudinal nine-year study of 949 participants in the study of women's health across the nation, called the SWAN study, shows that the incidence of metabolic syndrome increased progressively from six years before to six years after the final menstrual period, independent of aging and other known cardiovascular disease risk factors. The increase is steeper during the menopausal transition compared to the post-menopausal years. Interesting, huh? Menopause-related testosterone predominance appears to be implicated as a key hormonal change that is associated with the incidence of metabolic syndrome. Um, it was previously thought that estrogen exerted a direct positive effect on cardiovascular disease risk in women, a benefit that was lost as women transitioned from premenopause to postmenopausal state and experienced a loss of estrogen. And, and that's pivotal to this discussion because that for that really fed the fuel of why women needed to stay on um, uh, hormone replacement therapy. The study, according to the uh, investigator Jansen, um, showed that the, the change in estrogen level is at best a weak, at best a weak and non-significant predictor of metabolic syndrome risk. A more likely story is that the progressive testosterone predominance exerts a direct negative effect on cardiovascular risk. The SWAN study is a multi-ethnic community-based longitudinal cohort study of the natural history of menopause transition in over 3,300 women enrolled in seven sites throughout the United States. The other reason I wanted to bring that up is because um, the other hot thing right now that's it's happening is a testosterone replacement or for women um, post-menopause is a way to induce uh, sexual um, interest. And I think we have to do this very cautiously. Studies such as this really lend effort to that, and I would urge you not to do that. Um, there is new research going on as Viagra for, for women. Um, but anyway, that's still relative. Talk to your um, health practitioner, your physician. And the final one is a short one, and um, it's called Current Exercise Recommendations May Not Be Sufficient for Overweight Women to Sustain Weight Loss. 
In addition to limiting calories, overweight and obese women may need to exercise 55 minutes a day for five days per week to sustain a weight loss of 10% over two years, according to a report in the July 20th issue of the Archives of Internal Medicine. More than 65% are overweight, a public health concern, according to background information in the article. Among obese adults, long-term weight loss and prevention of weight regain have been less than desired, the authors write. Therefore, there is a need for more effective interventions. Current recommendations prescribe 30 minutes moderate physical activity on most days of the week for a total of 150 minutes per week. However, a growing consensus suggests that more exercise may be needed to enhance long-term weight loss. To calculate the amount of exercise needed, the um, John Jackasis, he's a, a PhD at the University of Pittsburgh, and his colleagues enrolled 201 overweight and obese women in a weight loss intervention between 1999 and 2003. All the women were told to eat between 1,200 and 1,500 calories per day. Now, that's low. The most women are averaging about 2,000 and 2,200. So that's, even that is a weight loss of um, amount of calories. They were then assigned to one of four groups based on physical activity amount, burning 1,000 calories versus 2,000 calories per week, and intensity, moderate versus vigorous. Group meetings focused on strategies for modifying eating and exercise habits, as well as telephone calls with the intervention team, also were conducted over the two-year period. So they had a nice social support uh, mechanism in place. After six months, women in all four groups had lost an average of 8% to 10% of their initial body weight. However, most were not able to sustain the weight loss. After two years, the women's weight was an average of 5% lower than their initial weight, with no difference between the groups. 5% of individuals who did maintain a loss of 10% or more over two years reported performing more physical activity an average of 1,835 calories per week or 275 minutes per week over the baseline level of activity than those who lost, weight, who lost less weight. They also completed more telephone calls with the intervention team, engaged in more eating behaviors recommended for weight control, had had a lower intake of dietary fat. This clarifies the amount of physical activity that should be targeted for achieving um, and sustaining a, a significant weight loss, but also demonstrates the difficulty of sustaining the level of physical activity. Researchers needed to improve long-term compliance with the targeted level of physical activity. Moreover, continued contact with the intervention staff and the ability to sustain recommended eating behaviors also may be important contributing factors to maintaining a significant weight loss that exceeds 10% of initial body weight which suggests that physical activity does not function independently of other behaviors. So it is so important to have a support group, to have um, a team or even a partner, someone that you're working with to, to, to advise. Uh, here's a very good website I wanted to pass on. It's called www.caloriescount.com. Um, this study was actually uh, funded by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Uh, that's all for today. I just, I, like I said, it's been a while, and I apologize for that. Um, I'm enjoying watching the Olympics and talk about seeing beautiful bodies and what what exercise and uh, right eating will do. Is it's just they're incredible. There's these young folks, just amazing. 
any, I would, I do wonder though, what is the long-term effect on these women of such vigorous exercise and uh, suppression of menstrual cycles and so on over time? Anyway, that's just a whole other issue. But I wish you well. I wish you health. I wish you um, joy and take good care of yourself. This is Dr. Gwen.